0: You think of some times when you put got your hopes up in something, right? You've never got your hopes up and hoped that something was going to, you know, play out the way you wanted it to, but then it didn't, right? Think of maybe back in school. Um, there you have a crush over on the other side of the room, and you're just hoping that that person would actually acknowledge your existence, right? Or maybe you're really hoping that you make the cut this year to get on the team. I remember my grandmother, she... Uh, before she died a few years ago, she told me, when I was a kid, she told me a story when she was a girl of where she was really hoping in something, but it didn't play out the way she'd wanted. She, you see, when she was eight years old, um, it was 1939, and in 1939, King George VI and Queen Elizabeth made an all-cross-Canada like cross-Canada tour of the country, and they were taking a train, mainly, and they're going from place to place, And I don't understand how it happened, but for some reason, one of the official stops for the royal family, for the king and queen, was to stop in my grandma's little farm village in north of Toronto, a little place called Zephyr, Ontario. Like, probably a couple hundred people. I don't know why they stopped there. Maybe they had to refuel or something. But anyways, the king and queen were scheduled to stop in her little village. And so you can imagine the buzz that's going around. And what further excited her was word got out, maybe at her school, that they were going to be asking, you know, a young girl to get a bouquet and present it to the queen. And my grandma said, you know, how badly she hoped that she would get picked as an eight-year-old to be able to give a bouquet of flowers to the queen. And of course, what should happen but her hopes were dashed when the name that was picked was some other girl in the class, and Grandma said, you know, that girl's father was like, you know, he was the wealthy guy in the community. He was the guy with the influence. So, of course, they pick his daughter and not her. And she was telling me this story, like, in her 70s, and you could still, like, see a little bit of the disappointment and <laughs> the, the stab, you know, to, to see her hopes crushed back when she was 8 years old. We all... We all hope in something, don't we? We try to use something to fill, to fill like that emptiness or to get that fulfillment, to get that peace. And we're always trying to find something to fill it, to, to fill us with hope, to fill us with purpose. And sometimes what we do is, you know, we'll put, we'll put our hope in maybe relationships, thinking that that person will just make my life great and I'll be happy for the rest of my days. Maybe we put our hope in success, like if only I get to that next level of success, whatever you call success, and you're just like, if only I get there, then I'll be happy. Or maybe some of us, we think more stuff makes us happy, because that's what the advertisements tell us, right? You can't be happy until you buy the thing that they are trying to sell you. And so we try to fill our lives with things that are going to make us happy, but you know what happens sometimes is it just doesn't always satisfy. That, that hole inside's still there, and so some of us, we get disillusioned, and we start to think, well, maybe I'll never be filled, and so we turn to something, maybe like a quick fix, a temporary fix, to cover up the emptiness and pain, and maybe you know people like this. Sometimes you'll see people, um, like every weekend, they party hard because they're just trying to like, escape the feeling, or sometimes you'll see people they'll just go from like relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship, and probably even they have no hope of actually continuing something um, lengthy with someone. But it's just like they don't know what else to do, and so they're just like on for the ride, looking for some pleasure when they can get it, thinking in the now. Sometimes people you'll turn to something maybe that is rather addictive because you like that quick, like that the fix even though it doesn't last, and sometimes what happens, unfortunately, is sometimes people even, that's not good enough, and so people think that maybe, maybe like escaping life itself is the only way, and I don't know, the last I checked, I could be wrong on this, but the last I checked, it was like, I'm in Canada, like 11 people die to suicide a day in Canada, and you know, in the last 200 years, we have, our quality of life has increased so well, like, if you think of like our great, great, great grandparents and the life they had and the technology, the medical system, all this, we have it so much better than, than then, but yet still, I think hopelessness is still a, an epidemic mm. in, our, in our culture. And my, the question we need to ask ourselves is, is there any hope for this human predicament of hopelessness? Is there any answer? And if there is an answer, is it available for everyone And today, of course, um, since I am a pastor and, uh, you know, read from the Bible up here, I want to go to this book today because it says that there is hope for all of us, and it's through this person of Jesus. I love one of Jesus' words in John 10.10. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I've come that you may have abundant life, hope, in Jesus. I want to read to you um, one verse, Romans 15, 13, and this is what Paul says. He says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. What is this hope Paul's talking about? You know, I'll say this. He's not using the word hope the way that we use it in everyday language. Often we use the word hope for wishful thinking, right? Like, I hope it's not gonna rain today even though there's an 80% chance, you know? Or it's not, it's not optimism, you know, those people that just always look on the bright side regardless of reality. That's not what he's talking about here, but rather hope in scripture is talking about this confident trust and expectation that in God everything's gonna be okay through the person of Jesus for what he has done for us. We need that kind of hope. Uh, Emil Bruner said this quote once, he said, what oxygen is to the lungs, such is hope to the meaning of life. You know, you you can live a few weeks without eating, you can live a few days without drinking, but how long can you live without hope in your life? And Jesus, today, he wants us to find our hope in him, the one who is unchanging, the one who, Jesus said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who took our place and died on a cross so that the effects of sin and death eventually could be done away with the one who wants to take us to himself to be with him for eternity this is the one that Jesus he wants us to put our hope and trust in him and you know saying things like Jesus is the answer it's it's a little bit of a cliche and it's a little bit like sometimes when people say that when you're going through a hard time you're just like that wasn't really helpful You know, sometimes that phrase, Jesus is the answer, seems like a little too simplistic for the complexities of our problems. But I'm wondering today, what if we just look at that idea again with fresh eyes that maybe there's something that Jesus came to give us that nothing else in this world can give us. And I want to look at today of why putting hope in Jesus is different than putting hope in anything else. Any person, anything, there's a difference in putting hope in Jesus. He can provide in ways that nothing else can when we put our hope in it, and that is, number one is this, we can have hope because God gives us himself. What do you think is some of the greatest gifts God has ever given us? Some might say, well, life, that's a gift, it truly is. Some might say salvation, another gift. Some might say the blessings of this life, I mean, if we were to take a little, you know, census of this room, if we could compare ourselves with many places in the rest of the world, we are very privileged people. We're very blessed, and we know all good things come from God. Some of us may think that peace and hope is a gift from God, and all these things are a gift from God, but I wanna say this, the greatest gift God ever gave us was himself, through Jesus. You know, Jesus comes down to earth, He, he, becomes a human. He starts to walk with us. He, he knows and experiences firsthand our pain and the effects of living in a fallen world. He comes to us to be with us. And even when he goes back to heaven, he sends us the Holy Spirit to still be with us. He says in 1 Corinthians, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God lives in you? St. Augustine said these words, once he said as a prayer to the lord he said you have made us for yourself O lord and our heart is restless until it rests in you our heart is restless until it rests in you and if those words are true today that means whatever we are putting our hope in other than god or other than jesus it's it's not going to do the trick it's not going to fill us because it's not god More stuff in our lives may fill our grudges, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to fill our hearts. (laughs) He wants us to trust in him, and the greatest hope we have is that he he gives us himself. You know, people, no matter how good a person is, they are going to disappoint us at times. They are going to not be there for us when we need that person most. And yet God is not like that. He's always the same. He is always there. In Hebrews it says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. One of those promises today is that he will always be with us if we call it to him in Isaiah. It says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And you know, that, that passage isn't just a promise to Isaiah, it's a promise to, to all of us today. Sometimes, even the best of people aren't going to come through and be there for us, but the Lord promises, he says, I'm always going to be there for you. He gives us himself. In 1992, at the Summer Olympics in Barcelona, Uh, there was this runner named Derek Redmond, and he'd had a lot of surgeries going into this uh, Olympics, but he was looking like he was all healed up, and he was ready to run the 400 meter, and so he he does the first round, and he gets the best time. Things are looking good for him. He uh, gets to the quarterfinals and wins that race, so now it's semifinals, 400 meter summer Olympics, and you know, the gun shoots off, and they start running, and Things are looking good, but then around meter 150 in the race, he tears his uh, hamstring, he tears his right hamstring and just drops to the ground like in pain. You think it's all over, I guess... This is as far as we get, and you know, as the, as the people are coming out with the stretcher, trying to take him off the track, he says later, he's like, I felt like I needed to finish this race no matter what, and so he, he refuses help at the moment, and he tries to get up and like hobble towards the finish line in pain, and at the same moment, someone from the crowd starts running down the bleachers and like jumping over the barricade, like pushing security aside, and runs out to this guy, and puts his arm around him and holds him, and I have a picture here of that that scene, and that other guy was Derek's dad. And the two of them, you know, hobbled in pain, and you can just see his face, like, what he's feeling right now. The two of them make it all the way to the finish line. Now, officially, he's disqualified because you can't have outside help to get you to the end, but it didn't matter. For the 65,000 people watching When they crossed the finish line, they all stood and gave a standing ovation to them. There's something touching that touches our our hearts when we see something like this. And I bring it up because it reminds me of how our God relates to us as a father. It reminds me that he doesn't just sit on the sidelines. But when we're in need of him, when we are crying out to him, that he comes and he gives us himself. And sometimes that is even more important than the help that comes just to have him close. That's our hope today. That nothing else in this world is gonna give you that God gives us himself. Second reason is we hope in Jesus it isn't dependent on our circumstances. And you know, that's a good thing. Why? Well, I think because we often believe this lie that tells us and we hear it maybe through advertisements all the time this lie that says to us you just need the right things in your life and you will be happy right you just need those right things and you just need to chase after whatever that is get everything right in your life and then everything will be okay but often what happens kind of we kind of fall into and become like the kid the day after christmas right who those presents that he'd been looking forward to for so long and his parents had bought, um, you know, a day or two after Christmas, they lose their shine. And you go back to your old toys. And sometimes it's like that when we're chasing this lie that things in our life will make us happy. Or maybe you finally get with that soulmate that you have put all your hope in. You realize they're just as broken as you are and everyone else. Or maybe you realize that you can't control What comes in and out of your life. Like there are unforeseen crises and circumstances that happen to you that you didn't ask for, but they're there anyways. And so what do you do? How can you be happy if your life isn't perfect? That's where Jesus is different because if Jesus is in our lives, it doesn't matter what is going on because our hope isn't coming from outside. It's coming from him who is with us. You know, there's a there's a teaching that sometimes goes around the church world that basically says, um, they don't frame it like this because it sounds bad, but basically saying that, you know, Jesus is your Santa Claus, and uh, he, will, he will come and make you happy by giving you all the things the advertisements say you need, right? He's going to give you all the, all the toys you want. He's going to give you a good life, a blessed life. He's maybe even going to, you know, make sure your health is perfect, and if you're not getting that and experiencing it, then it's because you don't have enough faith. The problem with that, that viewpoint is um, it's not exactly biblical. Let me just explain why. I want to quote to you from 2 Corinthians where Paul's writing, and he says this. He says, I've worked harder, been put in prison more often, been whipped time without number, faced death again and again, five different times with Jewish leaders, gave me 39 lashes, Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. You're kind of getting the point, aren't you? (laughs) I have traveled on long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers, from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights, I have been hungry and thirsty and have gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. (sighs) Do you ever think when you read that, you're like, Paul, something's wrong with your life, man. Like, where's your faith? This shouldn't be happening. All this suffering. And yet, I think that passage goes to show us that Jesus didn't come to take away all our suffering and make everything great all the time. He came to do something that he thinks is more important for us, and that is to walk with us through the suffering, through the circumstances, no matter what it is. John 16, Jesus promises us, he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Notice it didn't say that you may have peace, you know, in other things, in people, but that you may have peace in me, because here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. Has anyone ever seen the Christian movie Faith Like Potatoes? I think it's, uh, I got the first picture up here. Um, It's basically the the life story, or part of the story, the life of a a South African farmer named Angus Buchan, and the story goes is that, you know, Angus, he moves from Zambia to South Africa years ago, and he has nothing like, but his family and the shirt on his back, and he's just trying to make a go of this farming and business, and so he just works like seven days a week, just keeps driving to make something of himself, and eventually, like, after a while, when you never take a break, bad things start to happen to you, right? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever been there, but he just starts, like, to get, like, wired inside, like, he can't, rest. He can't, like, settle down at night. He can't sleep. He starts to get angry and just become very irritable. And his wife just notices this change in him and gets concerned and says, we need to go to church. And they didn't go to church. And so one Sunday, for some reason, Angus and his family, they go off to church and this little church. And instead of a preacher preaching, they have just different people sharing what God was doing in their life And at the end of it all, a person gets up and says, if you would like to experience that peace that has been described today, why don't you come to the front and give your life to the Lord? And for some reason, I don't even know if he truly knew what he was doing, but Angus got up in that day and he went forward. And you know, God began to do things in his life and to change him, but God didn't take away all his problems. He walked with him through them. He says, in, in, one of the, in one of the clips in the movie, there's a time when a fire breaks out on his farm and it's going to the neighbor's place and in into the neighbor's woodlot, like prized lumber woodlot, and he's, they're all trying to get this fire out to no avail. Finally, they give up, and as one last-ditch effort, as some of us, we always do, you know, well, let's just pray because we have nothing else to do. And he prays, and somehow, there was no cloud in the sky, and somehow, it started to pour rain and put the fire out and he realizes that, you know, praying in faith, God does stuff. And the the title of this movie gets its name because of one summer, the experts were saying it was gonna be a drought year, like this is like an El Nino system, so it's gonna have, it's gonna be just a dust bowl. And they said, if you don't have irrigation, don't even bother planting, because you're not gonna get any crop. And Angus felt from God God was telling him to have faith in him, more faith in him than to have in the weatherman. And so he goes out and decides to plant potatoes that year in faith. And it was a dust bowl year. It was dry and it looked like nothing was going to grow, but yet when they went to harvest, they had all these potatoes that came up in this dust bowl of a summer. And Angus is still going today. He's in his late 70s, I think, and he's a evangelist. and He he set up this big men's conference in South Africa that happens every year. Thousands of men come to it, and I think I have a picture of the actual Angus now. And um, if you ever listen to Angus talk for more than five minutes, he's one of those guys that, like, joy just starts filling up inside you because he's just he's got this this attitude, like, God is good no matter what. And someone once asked him, like, how do you keep peace and hope even in the hard times in life? And he said this, for instance, he started to pray many years ago. He said, Lord, for instance, if this crop gets wiped out, as sometimes crops do, he says, then I know you've got another plan for me, because I've given you my life, I've given you my farm, I've given you my wife, my children, my business, my staff, my animals. And he says, when I pray that, an absolute peace would come over me. Hoping Jesus isn't dependent upon our circumstances because as long as Jesus is in our lives, with us, through it all, it is enough. If you're having hard times, He is enough. If you're having good times, praise God. But if things aren't going so good, it's okay because maybe God's using this time to show us that he is enough in the moment, to show us that our joy doesn't have to disappear just because the good times disappear. He wants to show us that he will carry us through today. There's hope. There's hope in Jesus. I want to just, as we get ready to close, I want to read this verse from the Psalms and David talks about hope and hoping in God. And he says in Psalm 62, verse five, he says, let all that I am wait quietly before God. All my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. My victory and honor come from God alone. He is my refuge, a rock where no enemy can reach me. O my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come on up. My question is as we close is, what are you putting your hope in this morning? What is it in? Have you put your hope in something that's gonna last? Are you putting your hope in Jesus? Have you asked him? to come in and to be your Lord? Maybe to have like an Angus Bucking moment at that church where you realize that other things just aren't satisfying. They're not filling the hole in my heart. Have you said, Lord, I want to follow you. I want my hope to come from you alone. And some of us, we have put our trust and hope in the Lord. But As often as the case, I have found that it's so easy to get your hope on other things as you walk through life. You get distracted off God and you start to put your hope in other things. I'm wondering if as we begin this new season in fall where it's new beginnings, if we can just like reconsecrate and commit our lives to Jesus and say, Lord, you are where my hope comes from in life. You are where my joy comes from. Of course, I'm so thankful for the family that I love and the blessings you've given, but at the end of the day, you are where I find hope. I'm wondering today if we can just look to him and say, God, I want to commit my life again to you afresh to know, to get a deeper connection with you, to say, Lord, I want to align my life to your purposes and plans, and my prayer to you is that verse I read from you this, at, when I started, and it's this, is, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him, and then you will overflow with confident hope through the power, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's pray this morning, Father. We are in desperate need of hope. This world is in need of hope. And as Augustine said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. And I'm praying, God, this morning that for all of us here, there are times when, frankly, life just, life just fills up with stuff and we don't feel very hope-filled. We get our eyes off you and we look at the waves instead of you in those moments and we start to get worried and worked up and just doing the natural thing. And God, I just prayed this morning that you would just instill in our hearts again that our hope comes from you. It doesn't come from the things around us. Our joy, our sense of purpose and fulfillment, it doesn't come from any other thing but you, And so I just pray this morning, Father, if there are those that, that maybe they're realizing, maybe their hope is, they're betting on the wrong thing, to Lord, just give us that humility to come into you and say, God, I want you to be my hope this year, this fall. I want you to be my hope. I want you to be my strength. I want you to be the fulfillment in my life. And we just, we ask you to come, Lord. To fill our hearts with your presence right now. Amen.